Did you know that the average age a little girl posts her first naked selfie is seven? Seven years old. Shocking and disturbing. Ah, breaks our hearts. Well, today an expert and the author of the book Groomed will talk about the secrets girls and women keep and how these secrets can eventually destroy them. This is a conversation that you will not want to miss. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, special guests tackle the issues facing the moms of America today. Discussions include personal stories and advice on how moms can build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their homes and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Corlettis, your host, and I am so glad that you're joining us again this week. So super welcome. Right here on the top of the show, I do want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast, like and share. We would appreciate that. Let your mom and your friends know about the Moms for America podcast. Also, I want to invite all of our moms that are listening all across the country here to join our movement. If you haven't stopped by our website, if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, would you please? Because it's mamas just like you, just like me, just like our neighbors, our friends in our community. We are uniting all across our country to fight for faith, family, freedom, and the Constitution. Again, check us out, Moms for America, on our website at momsforamerica.us. Please join us. We would love to have you in our tribe. All right, today, Elizabeth Fisher Good is my guest. She has been a leader in the anti-trafficking movement since 2011. She is the founder and CEO of the Foundation United which provides systematic change to eradicate sexual exploitation and addresses the root cause of trafficking, which is sexual abuse. Now, some of Elizabeth's drive and passion on this topic comes from her own experiences as the survivor of sexual abuse. Elizabeth has written a best-selling book entitled Groomed. Welcome, Elizabeth, to the Moms for America podcast. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, this is going to be an interesting topic, to say the least, and a tough topic to discuss. But before we get into everything, would you tell us a little bit about your family? Um, I understand you're a mama yourself. Yeah, I have three. They're grown now. My oldest, my daughter is 23, living in New York. My middle guy is 21, a Bama boy, roll tide, and he's <laughs> doing a semester abroad, Barcelona. So that's fascinating. Wow. I know he just left. And then my little guy is a freshman at NYU, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Nice. And I'm on my second marriage. I had a, you know, really difficult first marriage, 21 years. And my book groom talks a little bit about how, you know, being raised in the church, you just think you endure and you figure it out. And uh, a lot of, lot of God lessons there. So second marriage, married to Mr. Good, get to be the good wife. And uh, (laughs) it's kind of, it's kind kind of good. See how God does stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Bad to good. All right. So, um, Let's talk about um, some of these statistics and in, in in, obviously this topic. Uh, in Groomed, your book, you give a startling statistic that one in three American women were sexually abused during childhood. One third. Wow. Um, can, it, it's shocking, but it, obviously this must be true according to your investigation. 
Yeah. You know, I've been in this space. I mean, even prior to being in this space, I've been in the sex trafficking world for like the last 12 years or so. Prior to that, I was a area pastor at Willow Creek, a mega church in Chicago. And then prior to that, I had my master's, got my master's in clinical psych and like the the root of sexual abuse. There's all kinds of symptoms. They present, you know, trafficking is a symptom, abortion, domestic violence, overeating, over, over shopping, like you name it, there's symptoms. Right. And I was shocked. I mean, from my twenties into now at 53, how many times the root of men and women. So the stat is one out of three little girls and one out of five little boys will carry wow. the secret of sexual abuse by the time they're 18. I mean, that's, sobering to say the least. And you kind of just wish that wasn't true, but that's the facts that we're dealing with. In fact, you even say, and you just mentioned 53 yourself, um, the average age a woman will first ta- talk about abuse from her past is 53. Yeah. I think that's why, I think that's why you probably caught me saying it right after I heard that yeah. stat. That's a stat I just recently heard, but it makes so much sense. Like when I lead groups or when I led ministry or when I led different things in the sex trafficking world and donors would come and share, they'd always be telling me, well, I've never told anyone. And they're really fifties and sixties telling for the first time, the secrets that they've kept. And um, I just think that that's a lot of years of shame and living under our purpose because anything we keep hidden is holding back a part of us. And so that's why I'm so passionate on the work we're doing now, because if a child, what I did find over the 12 years with, severe sex trauma survivors, um, the sexual abuse center is typically three, four, five years old. So think of that. That's the entry point. Yeah. It just breaks your heart. Um, so now why, why, why do people wait so long? And obviously you wouldn't suggest that we do wait that long. Right. You know, I think it's one of the, and even I've been, we've been rolling out a program for the churches. It's called real talk and it's amazing. We call it like a catalytic Holy spirit can opener to get things up and out. But when you speak to men, they will, for the first time in these, these settings, talk about their sexual abuse. I think it's hard enough for a guy to talk about porn, but when you realize that porn is an open door that typically comes after exposure to some sort of sexual abuse or something happening when you're younger, it normalizes it. And all of a sudden, like when you say that they're like, Oh, well, I've never told anybody. And I think, you know, one of the men recently said, it's so weird because it was done to me, but I feel felt so much shame. The minute it happened, he's like, I was nine years old. I felt so embarrassed and it was mine to hide. And, and I think it's one of the very few crimes because, you know, let's get it accurate. It's a crime against children. It's a felony against children, but we take on the shame. The perpetrator goes, oh, they have this way of just, you know, disassociating what they've done and off they go. And it's usually they're hidden in very prominent, you know, places that we, there's predators everywhere. And we carry that shame and it's wild Mm. because layer upon layer, we try to cover it. And then something else happens to cover it. And it's more shame. And I had layers of shame in my story that Mm -hmm. all started because of something that was never our fault. Right. And you kind of write from experience with this book. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I say, one of the things I like to say is sort of like, you know, here's heaven, right? Here comes the baby and here comes purpose. If we're not aborted in the womb, forget about it. We are born into a battle. And depending on what your calling in is, the battle is severe. And the enemy's quickest way to get somebody off of their target is through sexual abuse. And it, it could be subtle. You know, it's not always like somebody being fully raped. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories of just touching and stuff that this shame still goes. And then it leads to the next decision that makes somebody do something because they feel so dirty. 
You know, mm. the Bible talks a lot about what happens if you do something like this to a child. It's better to have like a, a stone around your neck and throw right. it to the bottom of the sea. Like yeah. it is serious. That's very serious clear about business. this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. So mm-hmm. when you talk about soul wounds, um, I like to kind of talk about that because I think that's what a little bit you're referring to. It it does touch your soul in a different way when there's been abuse and harm. Um, yeah. And if you don't deal with that, it comes back to haunt you. Yeah. I love that you bring it up because the whole soul wounds, soul ties, soul patterns. Um, yeah. The Bible does talk about that. And it talks about, you know, in the biblical sense, marriage is when we're supposed to have sexual encounters and it's supposed right. to be in a covenant of love and a covenant of honor and respect. And I think when it happens outside of that covenant and that protection, it's an immediate dismantling of your brain. <laughs> it's yeah. like enter, enter trauma central because as a child, I mean, I don't know if you had sexual abuse in your life, but like the minute it enters, depending on what it is, where it is, like, it's like a lightning bolt and everything's out of order. And it's almost like a scramble happens. And so I think everything's that- out of order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And because anything that happens, thank God I didn't deal with that. Um, but I know people that have, and like you said, I think it's more common than not. Um, and, and shocking too. And, and, and from trusted folks and all this stuff. And I want to get into this so we can protect our girls. Um, but a lot of times and boys and protect and boys, your boys. Oh my gosh. Yes. The boys. Exactly. Because yeah, it's it, the whole thing is just overwhelming to talk about, but, but once something like this happens to someone, it it's off balance. It, it's out of order. It leads to uh, all kinds of issues for these young people later in life. So getting a hold of it and understanding it is very crucial. Yeah. Cause it opens doors that weren't meant yeah. to be open yet. And it, it ushers in feelings and things. And then all of a sudden it's like, there's the next open door and right. like that's already been open. So it's not as taboo. And, you know, I always say, there's no such thing as a seventh grade slut. You know, you'll hear people talking about little girls that are sixth right. grade, seventh grade. I'm like, there's no such thing as a slut. She's been violated. And yeah. after so much, you just don't care. And right. you're just hoping for love because whoever was supposed to love and protect you didn't do it. So it is just a gateway to destiny derailed. I mean, yeah. it is so passionate. Like I had the platform of sex trafficking for a decade and I'm like, it's symptom. You know, we have got to wake up in America and start talking about the root and as parents get comfortable mm-hmm. talking because we're never going to hide our children right. or protect them enough for nothing to happen, but it's through right. conversation and empowering right. and tools and uh, being okay. there. Let's talk about the root. Um, what are we seeing uh, in this society that is really basically getting our children ready for grooming, um, ready to be sexualized? What are What are some yeah. of the things that you're warning against? This is my most passionate area to speak to. And if I can speak to every mom in America, we need to know that what's happening. Like I was raised 53 years old, right? Playboy was our porn. It was hairbrushed. They say that Playboy in our day was equal to Cosmo today. The type of images that we see, the stuff, the sun, Netflix, like that's how provocative it was. It was very so sexualized. Yeah. And now on porn on the internet. So all of our kids have these devices, right? And they're right. given them. And those parents don't know that they come preset to explicit. So preset to explicit means with voice activation, you could say anything in here and you get images. And so these imprints to a child's brain. So what's the new movie that's out that we grew up on with Disney? Puss in Boots. A child says perhaps Puss in Boots and who knows what image might come up. 
once it comes up now, we know that these are trained to keep coming again and again with the same images. So children's, what we're finding from research and everything I have is research and statistical, that neuropathways are being rewired in our children by seven or eight years old. They're being exposed to not airbrushed porn, abusive porn. Yeah. And it is so out of order. So there are studies that show that when you have a baby, all of us that are moms, or if you have an orgasm, and we should be okay to talk about this because that's sort of how our bodies are made. But when you nurse a baby or have an orgasm, oxytocin is the chemical that's released in your body. And that is a bonding hormone. So what's happening now is children are getting these images. It's awakening things in their body. So you don't even have to have somebody sexually abuse you in person at three, four, five years old, they are being abused, exploited, and violated. An FBI agent I was with a few weeks ago said, the most dangerous place for your child to be in America right now is alone in their bedroom with a smart device. Because what is coming at them is changing everything. They're excreting these hormones. So they're literally having the experience that they're not even physically, biologically ready to have. And so recently there's a story about a little girl that was raped violently in a parking lot by a 17 year old boy. She was 11. And when it was done and they're interviewing her, it makes me cry. They said, are you okay? Let's talk about how it happened. She goes, no, no, this was good. He likes me. And it was a violent rape, but she, they found out had been watching porn on a smart device since she was five years old. So oh she that act to love. So the dismantling. That's what, she, that's what has been marketed to her. Well, what are they saying now that the the marriages, the success rate, success rate of marriages in the future now, because of the violent pornography that the kids have will be, it used to be, right? Finances were the problem. Now it's going to be that your mate has been addicted to something that's horrific. There's no ability. Yeah. There's no oh. ability for intimacy on either side. And I mean, that's right. why have you, if you watch they're marketing Viagra to 20 somethings. These children can't have intimacy the way God designed them because they were ruined and inundated with these images that make them only able to bond and perform to screens, boys and girls. And so we are watching, seriously, I've been saying it's hell systemically dismantling our families and our futures yeah. and our marriages. And if we can get to the heart of, and the soul of a child, young, destroy them, break them down, ruin yeah. them their life really without Christ and without uh, a miraculous uh, healing is set on a path for complete destruction. What can we do as moms uh, to talk about this with our daughters and yeah. our sons um, related to this abuse and, and, and trauma and uh, yeah. the world they're growing up in? The culture is crazy, just absolutely crazy. Yeah. I, I think our number one job is like, I'm so, so thrilled to be here, just normalizing the conversation because we have to start talking about it. I remember when I was in my, my late twenties, early thirties, when I was getting my master's in clinical psych, every client that came through the door had sexual abuse as the root. And I'm holding my daughter. I'm about to give birth to my daughter. And every story is sexual abuse. And I said to my supervisor, I'm like, how am I going to be able to guard and protect my little girl? Like this world's crazy. And she said, I think you're asking the wrong questions. She goes, the question is, how will you be the type of mom mm -hmm. that she can talk to about anything? because things will happen. And will you be approachable? Will you have ears to hear? And what we do know is that, again, research shows us, like the Bible says, sins of the father to the third or the fourth generation, or psych world says, you know, generational patterns. Until we heal, if we have any secrets, 
they will be generationally repeated. So the number one job for parents is please get my book groomed, get something, get your stuff up and out, sign up for Real Talk, have your church roll it out. And, and we have to be able to not have shame and secrets. All of the men that are carrying even their secrets of porn, porn's not your problem. Porn is something that happened along the way. And let's go back here. What opened that door? And it's wild how stuff falls off. I had a porn addiction because I was sexually abused and I had the, all the pathways that lead to all the things. That's why we're grooming um, buyers. We're grooming our boys to be consumers because this is what is coming up. And we're grooming little girls to think it's okay. Another little girl said, um, sweet 16 and never been kissed. She said, little boys have been asking me, you know, can we do this? Can I do that to you? Will we do this? And she said, but I'm now turning 16 and I've been used for sex more ways than I can count, but I'm still waiting for my first kiss. And so I think as parents, these are... Yeah, but they're conversation points that aren't filled yeah. with shame. I think right. the church has led with shame. Don't right. do that. Don't do that. Guess what? What if something happened to me that opened the door? Now I don't know how to not do that. Like right. that needs to be so normalized. The peer on peer stuff that happens with kids, mm-hmm. they need to be, you know, equipped to speak to that and to how not get hooked in because it's, it's the enemy just trying to steal. So as parents to talk and not lead with shame, but rather anything in your own story or talk about hearing this podcast, talk about, right. man, I heard some stories. I just want to share them with you. Have you seen this with your friends in school? You know, right. I just care about you so much. There would never be shame. If something happens, man, I am here. And if you have your own story to share it, I remember telling my kids because, you know, right. abuse even leads to abortion. When I led one of the first, I created one of the first post-abortive mm. um, curriculums Every single woman, I had women in their seventies, elders talking about their first, you know, six abortions that they never told anybody because they grew up in a house of abuse. And then you run to God because you don't want to feel that anymore, but you haven't dealt with all this stuff here. And every single woman had been sexually abused. I'm like, abortion is a symptom as well, this root. And so the more that we could just normalize it, take the power back, say this happens to so many kids, if it even start, and then you just, then your child's like, oh, I got the antidote. And we have so many tools to give your kids the antidote. So they feel strong and advocates for their friends and themselves. Mm. So it's just taking the space back and not being afraid to enter the conversation taking the space back, putting things back in the correct order. Uh, Obviously communication is so important, like you're saying, and it's uncomfortable. I think for moms, it's uncomfortable for anything that's been a challenge in our lives to reveal, but we've got to, when we've got to be healed. And then we've got to be able to have those conversations um, that are uncomfortable. Um, What you talked about tools. Let's talk about the tools that we can provide moms and that what you would suggest for them. Yeah, there's so many, you know, if you, if you're just like, I don't have a connection to a school, I don't have a connection to a church, just help me. If you go on our website, the foundationunited.org at the top, there's a tab that says resources. And then there's just a huge drop down menu from books. Some books are fine to start reading to your kids when they're three years old. I mean, if, if the average age of sexual abuse is three, four, five years old, that it enters a child's life. You could be reading these picture books. They're not scary in any way, shape, or form, but they just start to make your child feel strong and understanding of who they are and what's theirs. So there's books and there's videos you could watch. We partner with one of our ambassadors under the foundation is on the White House Advisory Council. She was trafficked in college because she was raised very sheltered. 
in a very high end Pasadena neighborhood. Her dad was an elder and she didn't have any of the tools and she was not abused. So, you know, even if your child's not abused, if you shelter them and control their setting so much, she went to college in textbook. If she had any of this training, it wouldn't have happened. But a beautiful girl said, you look like me. You have that exotic look. I can make you a model. I have a, I have an agent. Do you want to meet him? And she immediately gave over her driver's license, gave over her social security number, signed up with the guys. She was trafficked for two years. No. Wow. Yeah. It so seems it, like, right. And I think too, the kids are so innocently thinking, right? I can be, I can become, I someone comes and gives them attention and all of a sudden, so what, what did that look like for her, her story? Cause maybe just tell us it so we can, moms yeah. can understand how does someone get trafficked in college? Yeah, I know. Cause you know, a lot of times it starts younger, but for her, she, and there's a video for parents to know on the foundationunited.org. And I think it's on our homepage, but it's a video and it has a beautiful girl, Rachel, um, and it shows her story. It might be under the protection page, wherever we have the cool aunt, but um, she went to school perfectly bubbled. And when that woman said, you want to do this? And she did say she went the very next day after she went to the first meeting, you know, she was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to make all this money. Then she went home that night and she had this feeling in her stomach. She's like, something's wrong. And she said, she called the next day. And she said, you know what? I've changed my mind, but she'd already given them all her info. She goes, I've changed my mind. I appreciate the offer. You know, maybe I'll do it at a later point, but I, I'm not good. I'm not able to do it. And he said, it's too late. I own you. I know where your parents' address is. I know your mom's name, your dad's name. I know your family. If you don't do this, someone's going to get hurt. So I'm going to tell you where you're going to be and when you're going to be there. And oh, he wow. just, evil takes over. It's so real and so dark. I guess this, this reminds me of the fact that I think a lot of times we think that girls that are trafficked are runaways. Not always the case. Now, statistically, the majority are running away from a horrific setting or they get promiscuous and somebody they meet, you know, sees them as an easy target. But typically, yeah, they say 80% of runaways, no matter what zip code within 48 hours, 80% are approached by a trafficker who's just like, hey, baby, you hungry? I love you. She's like, oh, finally, somebody's going to love me. And then they get them a little bit on a drug and they will sell them 15 to 40 times a day for typically seven years. But the girls that are super sheltered, not running away from something, there's a naivete there as well that these predators know exactly what to look for. I was with an Indian right. chief at an event at the White House. He raised his daughter so buttoned down and pride in his culture. He said a man online for two years with a picture of a 15-year-old boy, because you know your children don't know who they're talking to online. That's why the bedroom is no. the most dangerous place. Right. The groomers and the predators, they say at any time, one out of nine children are approached. There's half a million predators after our American kids today. And they look for low, low followers because they know those kids want attention. They look for young kids to come on and they will present with a profile picture of a little boy. Oh, you're mm. so pretty. Do you want to, you know, become friends and the right. kids lean in and then they get snapped fun. up in this. Yeah. And they find you know, and, and, and two, the kids, right. Their, their identity now is online where, right. When I grew up, our identity was at the playground, running around on bikes and all that stuff. And, and now it's like, someone told me that their child told them their best friends are just online. Like they don't yeah. really see them much, but no. wasn't for school. Probably would never see anybody. There's right. this fake world that everybody feels safe with. And then these predators come right in, like you're saying, and they just snatch them up. 
right and you in. never think it's going to happen to your kid. No. And your kid never thinks it's going to happen to them. That's why you just True. have to have the conversations anyways. Like this Indian chief, if he said his daughter, this guy invested because they'll invest time. If they find a girl that they think is the right or a little boy, because they can make a lot of money off of these kids once they get them, they'll invest time and they'll be their best friend and they'll build their confidence. He said his daughter, they live 50 miles from the closest McDonald's, 52 from the closest um, Walmart. He said she found wow. her own ride to meet the kid thought she was meeting the kid to become a global model finally with him because he's like, you and I, we could do this. I met a guy, he said, he'll give us, she did it herself. And she too, over two years in the trafficking world. And then how do you save your kids from that? Well, I mean, these are is, miracles, miracles. These are miracles. When you stories. say they get out after two years, you're like, no one gets out. Many times you don't see them again, right? Normally. Yeah. Normally. Yeah. So it's somber. And I think that as parents, we need to be like passionate about, okay, we're going to talk about this. Is my church talking about this? Is my school? Because we have programs also for the schools, for the churches, their K through 12 equipping, their systemic equipping for the leadership, for the teachers, for the pastors, for everybody to have language. It introduces like the school, the educators are so fun. There's a secular one and there's Christian stuff. They're like, this language didn't exist, but man, if we needed this, like we mm. need this language because this technology is advancing. And as parents, I mean, I'm in this world. And with my youngest, when Snapchat came out and vanishing messages, I'm like, dear Lord, he's all yours. Like, I don't know. I, I know. Do. I kept my son off social media until 18. And then it was like, okay, I have taught you. And you know, we're still talking through all the issues of, of social media and limiting it and not being involved. But it, the suppressors of this world, you, 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 you've mentioned the church a couple of times. You believe that the church is the key to stopping sex trafficking at what causes. Why? Well, because sadly, the stats are exactly the same in the church as outside of the church. And so if we're supposed to be this place of healing and Light. freedom, come get Jesus. And we are carrying the same secrets. And, you know, over the years of running even the sex trafficking housing that I ran, so many of the girls' stories and so many of my donors' stories. And when I lead women's groups in ministry, they were abused in youth group. They were abused at youth camp. They and and what I what you find again and again are these men that have had abuse in their own lives. And maybe a youth pastor might take them on. Oh, I love this kid. This kid has potential. And he fast tracks them into, you know, he looks good, he's charismatic. Then he's on a leadership path, but he hasn't dealt with all the stuff that made him a troubled kid that he needed the covering right. of church. And then these little girls, like one mom said, Elizabeth, I'm so scared. My daughter's about to start youth ministry. She said, my youth pastor used to literally sit down next to me on the couch, put a pillow over his lap and mine. And while he taught the lesson, he had his hand up my skirt. And, and this is like a common story. It's not even, it's, it's shocking how much abuse, because if the stats are the stats, those kids are in the church, they're out of the church. But as the church, we are supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be the light and we are supposed to be normalizing, confess your sins one to another. Right. The prayer of a righteous man is authority to heal, not shame, be perfect, show up looking your best on Sunday. So many mm -hmm. people say we went to church on Sunday, but came home and lived in abuse all week. Like that shouldn't be. We, right. if we got real, that's why our program is called Real Talk. If we got real, think about how the church could have power instead of hypocrisy when people look at us. Like we need to get real show the brokenness show there's real healing and be able to talk about it and then i don't think we'd have any trafficking or any of these outcomes because we would be hitting the root and starting it all different right we can't ignore it 
just explain Real Talk one last time so the moms know what kind of resource that is for them. Yeah. So Real Talk is similar to the school. If you have a leader in your church, a pastor or somebody at your school, a headmaster or a superintendent principal, and they want to know more about it on our website, you can go to um, the prevention tab and there's really easy next steps to get everything you need to even hand it in. Like, I want to do this. Here's the info. But okay. it's a systemic grid of language. It's a tool. So it's kindergarten through leadership, age appropriate. We were able to draft the language for Congress because they know that this is one of the greatest threats. They say terrorism and sex trafficking. Our kids are being groomed. So the country, the government's looking at it and the church and the schools, wherever your children are, we have the systemic solution that every year they hear a little bit more and it's not scary. It's not like gross and overly done. It is talking about intuition, that feeling in your stomach, the minute you feel it. They say that kids these days, their intuition's deadened by fourth grade. I was just going to say, and we would say that's the Holy Spirit because- you know, he speaks to us in a special yeah. way, but if it's numb and it's been taken advantage and abused, you're right. What are you going off of? Yeah. So this starts in kindergarten, which the church needs to be doing as does the school. Yeah. And so I think it's just a way we say, Hey, pastors, you want to bulletproof your church? Do you want to bulletproof your ministry, your legacy? Cause you let something happen under your watch. The enemy's prowling, he's circling. And so this is just a guard. We want to come along with the knowledge we've been given the last couple of decades and guard the church to be the head that they should be. All right, some takeaways here for moms at the end that maybe you want to uh, reaffirm um, and, and just, just a heart moment with the moms that are listening. We'd appreciate that, Elizabeth. Yeah, you know, I would just say, if you need help, like I could come in as a speaker, like there's, it's just, it's such a pathway of normalizing. And once you start it, it's not hard. I think it's scary. So many women are like, I don't know how to talk to my kids. I don't want to bring it up. My husband, and I don't even talk about it. We are so powerful. And as women, like what someone said to me recently, women are like the lionesses. We are the ones that are surveying the land. You know, we have this power, the lion waits and with all authority, you know, he'd come and he'll take the kill, but we are checking it out. And this is important right. territory. So I want to empower you as women. Mm -hmm. Take your position, use your voice. If you need help, you could reach out to freedom at the foundationunited.org. Maybe you've never begun and you don't even know how to start yourself. We will help you because as women, we do need to lead this and take this narrative back and help everybody, our husbands, the church, our children, the systems around us guard. Because think about it. We were built to protect. And this is the time where the women, the guardians. So I just encourage you guys to do something. Take one right. step. Beautiful. Take a step for yourself and take a step for your children. Um, they might be in two different, two different waves, but like you said, we are the mamas. We are the protectors. We are the ones that want to make sure that our children stay safe, stay safe, stay safe. Try to say that together <laughs> and, um, and, and just really be about our father's business in our home. Um, because this is Christ's home, right? These are God's children. Um, and we, we've been entrusted with them for a short time and we're not going to let the world, uh, ruin them and define them. And if there's been a situation along the way, we're going to make sure that, that they go through a healing process and get them back in our little nest. Mm -hmm. Guard, not on our watch, right? Not on not my on watch. Yep. And where can we get your book again, Elizabeth? So it's groomed and it is by HarperCollins. You can get it on Amazon or you can go to our website, the Foundation United. I think it's there under resources as well. And it's the, has all the names, Elizabeth, Melendez, Fisher Good. <laughs> the good wife. I love it. 
you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for what you're doing. And, you know, our prayers to you and your team, because this is a tough, tough topic to be talking about, but boy, is it important. So God bless yeah. you. Thank you. Prayer covering is appreciated. Take care. Thank you. Wow. What a great interview with Elizabeth. Again, pick up her book, Groomed. Uh, I think it's going to be very helpful to us as we uh, raise this next generation. And it's not just girls, it's boys too. Some powerful stuff from her. So go ahead. Also, I do want to remind you to visit our website, momsforamerica.us. Check out all of our amazing resources and events and programs there. Also, if you have an idea, like we talked about today, our children being groomed, uh, sex trafficking, whatever it may be that you think would be helpful or you know of a great guest, would you email me at podcast at momsforamerica.net. Again, that is podcast at momsforamerica.net. Also, when you swing by our website, <laughs> I'd love to have you check out our signature program. I mention this every week because this is a very important program. It's, 12, it's called the Cottage Meetings. It's 12 lessons that will inspire and educate you about America's heritage and its history. So you can share the principles of liberty in your home and in your community. This program, along with many of our other programs and resources, will help you impact your family in a very powerful way. We say it's, uh, we're here like from parental rights to public policy, from the kitchen table to Congress. Uh, Moms for America is a great resource for you. Lastly, uh, mention, just go ahead and sign up for our weekly newsletter when you're on our website. This will help you get uh, educated on the issues that relate to you as a mom. Uh, that goes out once a week and it has all of our great information, resources and programs that we're doing. We say this every week to you mamas, liberty begins at home and that you are truly the heartbeat of America. You are truly the heartbeat of your home. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, again, share this with your mama friends and uh, I'll see you next week. And let's keep changing our world one home at a time. God bless you.